Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberidge, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. We are back indeed. Just a few scant days, or maybe seven, uh, after the last recording, so... I know, I know. It's uh, almost like we're actually um, getting some kind of a pace back, and we're going to be working towards that pace uh, as we close out 2022 and and roll it on over into 2023. I don't know about you, but my my mind is already starting to kind of churn the 2022 experience in preparation for our end of year wrap up episode. A lot more games played this year, more diversity yeah. of gaming. Yeah, I was thinking about that a bit today. Um, you know, we'll we'll have to talk about the the schedule for that and all that. It'd be cool to get it out before the end of the year, uh, like last year. But uh, but we'll see. Yeah, if we um, don't, then it'll be hot on the heels, and it'll still be a sum up. And in in that moment where people are still probably catching up on twenty twenty two sum ups of such things anyway. And I'm I'm really grappling with Elden Ring, winning game uh, of the year. Well, or are I mean, you grappling with uh, reform conservative orthodox whatever Rabbi Bill Clinton? <laughs> Um, because I'm still grappling with with that. Oh I, my like... god! I I didn't have the heart or the the cringe capacity to watch watch it. I, I heard about. No, I haven't. I haven't watched it either. I, I read it. like the short transcript, and I was like, "This is fucked up and weird, and what a mess of a moment." Um, and uh, wow, thank you, QAnon, for fucking walking into video games hmm. like a just unwelcome like shadow of Gamergate past coming back, right. back with new clothes on. It's just like, ugh, gross. Yeah, for those of us, for those of you who didn't see it at the Game Awards, some he looked like a kid. He's a kid. He's a kid. He's like a teenager, late yeah. teen maybe. Got up and crashed uh, from Soft's, uh, you know, acceptance bit, and then I guess said some stuff about Bill Clinton or something. He said I this one know. weird, weird phrase because you know people are accepting awards, so they're saying thanks. And he says, "No, like I would like to thank uh, my Reform Orthodox Rabbi Bill Clinton." Which okay. I think probably means something in QAnon speak, um, yeah. but I forget about how, like, I don't have the stomach to watch it, the video. Yeah. I really don't have the stomach to go digging around on the internet to see yeah. where where that leads. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, but what I'm uh, grappling with is, like, where a game like that sits when it is almost equal parts disappointing and good <laughs> um and i don't yeah i don't want to like say too much because i don't want to oh color... i see i see i see what you're saying um yeah. right right and uh in relation to to the idea of ranking both yeah. the years experience and for that matter where it might ultimately reside in your game ranks yeah it's yeah that one's going to be tricky i uh you know we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what what that shakes out well, I'll yes. have to finish it first, and right. um, which I at least have begun the task of reengaging with it as fulfilled my promise from the last <laughs> episode, mm -hmm. committed to it in recording, and uh, it really was uh, it was not a stretch to do it. I went back up to uh, I gave like two hacks just for for old times' sake um, at uh, good old what's his name Radon down, yeah Radon down <clears throat> in his rotten plane. Um, not a plane of existence, folks. Just in case you're wondering, it's literally like a large plane uh you know like a cargo plane 
yes, exactly. <laughs> rotten In cargo fact, plane. if you have not, uh, yeah. if you've not played Elden Ring, it's full of cargo planes, and this one happens to be infested with rot. Yep. Um, no, but uh, but then I went up to the Altus Plateau because I had a, a while back discovered like, oh wait, there's this other way to get up the Altus Plateau, and that's probably how you get across from the Butcher's Shack, which mm-hmm. I seem to be on the right track for it. Um, took down one of the uh, what the heck are they called? The Reaper dudes in the boats. The Tibia um, Miner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, or Tibia Mariner, rather. Mariner, not yeah. not Miner. Uh, <laughs> there might be a Tibia Miner in one of the one of the mines in the game. I haven't found him yet though, or her, or them. Um, I think it's one of one, those vestigial bones. Actually, is the Tibia Miner. Tibia Miner. Yeah, it yeah. is exactly. Exactly, it has no purpose whatsoever, and right. it can occasionally ghost out on you. Uh, very painful when that happens, actually. And then you need it extracted, um, an unnecessarily complex procedure. Uh, but yeah, this one summons a giant like uh, skeleton, which yeah. I think none of the pr- prior ones that I'd encountered had done. So he's okay. like obviously a level up from the, the previous Mariners I'd encountered. But it was a fun little fight. Um, got me a level, whatever the heck level I am now. And then uh, proceeded to kind of run on up the hill further um, and found another magma lizard who is much tougher than the magma lizard in the cave. Okay. Um, yeah. Like really quite brutally hard. And I was like, okay, nope, nope, not remotely ready for this boss fight. Not going to invest in my classic mistake. Uh, there's obviously other stuff to investigate and find up here. And I'll keep looking for challenges that feel like they're at scale so I can keep leveling. And uh, I am going to have to go into um, into some more caves because I definitely, I think a key thing I'm going to have to be doing is leveling up my um, ashes some yeah. more to be able to take some of these fights on. Obviously totally irrelevant for Radon. Um, but very relevant for, uh, for the guardian at the door of the tree guard, uh, yeah. draconic tree guard or whatever the heck his name is again. Um, cause I know that like, Hey, even with just getting a leveled enough ashes companion, that would be enough to get me through that doorway. Yeah. So, um, and that will require going and digging around for more grave wart and wandering in some caves and getting my ass handed to me and getting overly ambitious and thinking I should go lower when I should really just fucking bail. Yep. You know, you, if you've played the games, you know how it is. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you're back in the lands between. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, still getting some apex in the mix, but, um, but yeah, having that because uh, obviously I, as, as, as stated previously, I've, I've beaten shadow of the Colossus and I'll talk about it in just a little bit. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Then you and I got to dip into the darkness within the uh, past within. Oh, right. Right. The past within, um, within the darkness. Yeah. Within the past was... of the future very cool like i i assume you were a first person perspective uh in your yeah bit as well um yeah i'm playing the past you're playing the future and i have you know my character has basically like recreated the past inside this box this this device so presumably that's where you are in fact i looked inside the box at one point and i saw your giant eyeball you did oh yeah when oh, you looked shit. inside the box and I, <clears throat> I have this little porthole and I saw your giant eyeball. I think I failed to mention that while we were playing. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And I think I saw... we should be cautious here because uh, I don't want to get into any spoilers about puzzles, but I think yeah. talking about like the concept of the game is completely fair game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I saw the creepy guy uh, who is your dad, I guess. Ostensibly my dad. I had to perform in you know concert with you. I had to solve a series of puzzles to perform some steps to activate a device. Yeah. Um, you know, because he wants to be reincarnated into the future, which is 1980 something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 19... really digging it. I can't remember what time I think I'm in 1930 something or something like that. Yeah. Rose so. is maybe the main character's name. 
Um, I think we did have to, after we selected our things, press a button at the same time. I think that our games are actually truly synced because I don't think it would work any other way. Because there are conditions that I have to meet in order for you to then meet conditions. And I don't think it would work. Um, you know, I'm thinking, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to allude to the fact that there's the chessboard puzzle, but I'm thinking of the chessboard puzzle in particular, because we were at the end of it going like, maybe this is all a sleight of hand where we're totally playing separate games, but it works by communication to get the information you need to proceed. But I feel like maybe there was something we did at the very beginning of like a press and hold or something that we might've actually been. Hmm. I think the game explicitly says that there is no actual connectivity. I think it is strictly knowledge based. Like, like that's if, if you just fed me the steps, I could do them whether or not you were actually doing but you wouldn't understand what was really going on because a big part of communicating the steps is we tell each other what we see. Right. Right. It's like, Oh, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm in here with the coffin of my father, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. Trying to get teeth and, and blood and, and such. Um, and yeah, it was kind of the perfect sort of level of difficulty. You know, we kind of cruise through most of the puzzles with a little bit of and there were a couple of times there was one instance with for each of us where we, mm-hmm. we kind of stupidly were like oh fuck i can't believe i didn't do that thing yeah yeah um but really enjoyable really unique gaming experience yeah um i also am speculating that um grasshopper is an alternate playthrough we chose the i B think so yeah because there is literally a b picture on the wall mm-hmm. in the past in the b and I'm guessing that the puzzles are probably slightly different and that there's, that's a, it's like a fully alternate playthrough so that we could theoretically dip back into it if we like, uh, if we feel, you know, intrigued yeah. enough after completing our first playthrough. My guess is so that you can swap roles mm-hmm. without knowing. Without you know, knowing. Yeah. Without knowing. I imagine the puzzles are maybe just, like you said, just remixed. Um, yeah. yeah. If oh, we're yeah. clever enough to get there, we'll concept, we might find out. Right. I, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, we completed chapter one. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Um, speaking of phone games, Vampire Survivors, uh, is now free on mobile. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, I thought I told you. Um, wow. How did I miss that? It is ad supported, but told me, but in the nicest way, like they don't ever surface any ads. It's just, Hey, do you want to revive once watch an ad or do you want to double your gold? Watch an ad. And then that's it. There's no other pop-ups or anything. And the fact that it's a free version of one of the best games of the past few years like totally the controls aren't as good as having a controller you know the but the touchscreen works just fine and i find myself drawn to it and just sort of the simpler times of like okay i've got three characters and none of this crazy bullshit i'm just kind of this vampire surviving and it's it's great interesting i really do want to get back into it as i've mentioned on a previous episode uh in its full release form yeah. Um, and honestly, I, I don't have too much of an excuse on this one because it's not like a game that I need to say like, oh, I'm going to invest some hours. Like I could sit down for half an hour just to get a, a sense of, um, you know, how it's come together. Yeah. Um, but it does. I like, of course, it's going to be compelling in mobile. That just it just seems yeah. like a natural fit for it. It definitely is. Yeah. So I've been doing a, <clears throat> a bit of that and then just the uh, normal stuff, um, you know, the Yakuza game and uh grand theft or i always want to say grand theft grand turismo i am officially at my limit of skill 
Oh yeah. Uh, to where I just can't win races anymore. You know, uh, I could practice against AI or against uh, against live AI. Players? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, well, that raises the the live players question because uh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check that different out. type of skill limit, right? Yeah. Um, so I might still pick at it a little bit and maybe in, increase some skills or knowledge, you know, to to be able to do it better. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's been about it for me this week for, for gaming. Uh, cool. Well, I think uh, we'll move into the first feature of the show. Then it is time for game ranks and Moses. I hope you don't mind if I, uh, go first and third. It's completely unacceptable, Paul. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, jump on in, man. Let's hear it. Rank here. Um, because I decided that I cannot, well, I don't want to, and also I don't think I can legitimately rank uh, uh, Johann Sebastian Joust as a game because uh, I haven't... Has you already ranked it as Sports Friends? Well, that and also I haven't played Johann Sebastian Joust. Like, I've played uh. Sports Friends. Um, a minor distinction, but uh, but also to, to not double up, you know. Um, so what I'm going to replace that with at number 69 is Animal Crossing New Leaf on the Nintendo 3DS. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Animal Crossing. and We have. Is this have the to... one that we did the music activity with? The music activity with? Yeah, you had me try to yeah. guess what time of day the music was, or is that a Oh, yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, well, that was back, that was GameCube, actually. Oh, nice, um, okay. <clears throat> But um, so, yeah, I won't go too much in in depth here, but I've played that game, I think, three different towns, you know, um, with with various people over the years and have always enjoyed it. Um, You know, it was the first game that gave you a lot of minute control over the village with uh, town ordinances, making the shops stay open later or open earlier, things like that. And the portability of it, you know, it's nice to have it on a big screen and be able to like spectate and stuff, but just having Animal Crossing in your pocket, you know, it's always there. It's always happening, you know, whether you're playing it or not. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's Animal Crossing. It is, it is one of the joys of my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that might be the only version of Animal Crossing I've played, given as the DS is like the only Nintendo platform I've owned. So all other Nintendo gaming. Oh no, that's not true. I've had a 64. Obviously, I've lived with a GameCube. But uh, but uh yeah, yeah. So wait, you 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 played a bit of it? I think so, unless there were two different okay. Animal Crossings on DS. No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the one that I uh that I mean then by definition it narrows it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the timing just didn't work out. I don't, maybe I didn't buy it on release. You might not have been actively playing it at the time hmm. when I picked yeah. it up. It, um, and it's funny. It's a game that I almost feel like I should return to at some point uh, mm-hmm. because it didn't hook me when I was playing it, but I had a lot of other things I was trying to play. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever do, let me know and I'll come, uh, I'll come visit. Right on. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, that is my number 69 Animal Crossing New Leaf. The new 69. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to bring it in here. Moses is bringing it in. I'm bringing it in. I'm, 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 I'm not bringing it in. I'm, I'm bringing it out. I'm going to bring it back. We're all bringing it back. 
and just, um, flipping it and reversing and in fact oh my god how many times can i screw this up you know these two sometimes i'm just glad that podcasting is not a vis- visual medium because oh my god it is a visceral medium though especially yeah. right now so <laughs> um but sony brought it back um yeah. in a pretty big way And I think I should probably bring this down just a little bit in a way that really upped the cinematic quality of this absolutely legendary game. It is considered one of the greatest games of all time. I've been talking about it for a few podcast episodes as I've been trying to finish it myself Um, and finish it. I did uh, the other evening and um, man, this game is a ride. I've got to say Shadow of the Colossus is absolutely right it is it does things i some of it is kind of to be expected especially because there are certain tropes they bring in that were maybe not even tropes at least not in the game yet um you know flipping the character and discovering that your motivations are um you know are not correct uh let's say um but not in a like oh look at how evil you are you're the villain like you were presented as the hero for well, it depends on how much attention you're paying, but you are ostensibly the hero of the game. I would argue that you are, in fact, the hero of the entire game. Um, yeah, that you might be a misguided hero, uh, but that you are nonetheless you are nonetheless the true the true hero of this game. And it's not just a question of um, the fact that you are ultimately being used, which you are ultimately being used by a giant demon. Um, And yeah, spoilers, folks, this game came out a long time ago. Even the remaster came out in like uh, 2013 or something. Um, I think I should look this up. Um, I'm going to be bad about it. Um, But before I get any deeper into uh, into any of this, I need to tell you where it ranks for me. Shadow of the Colossus coming in at 29 for me, actually. All right. Um, And I just kind of had to go down the list until I found a game that it definitely outranked. And so it is living between number 28, Dawn of War, and number 30, Borderlands. Okay. Um, and it was a tough one. It was a tough one, as, as we now have 70 games ranked, or you will in short order. Um, in the sense that um, the two games ahead of it were tricky, Populous and Dawn of War. But those games held specific places in my love of video games, in my progression of learning to love video games in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Borderlands is just a game that I really thoroughly enjoyed in a moment. Yeah. And so for for those reasons, you know, I was like Prince of Persia, no, not quite. GTA Vice City, no, definitely not. And then I looked at uh Populous and Don War and I struggled with it, but ultimately was like, yeah, those games deserve their spots to be a little bit above Shadow of the Colossus. I'm still glad for myself to position it in my top 30. Mm-hmm. Um, because my first touch with this game was whatever, 2008 probably, when I bought a PS2. Uh, and I bought the PS2 back in 2000, late 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably actually my first touch with this game might've even been 2007, but I feel like it was probably 2008. Other people had mentioned it to me and then you recommended it to me and you're like, oh no, you really have to play this game. Um, and I, you know, at first, you know, more or less took to it, struggled with the camera real hard. Yeah. The camera continues to be something that is critiqued about this game to this day. Um, although, as I mentioned on a previous pod, I've made my peace with it through almost all of the game. If the camera is fighting you, you are doing something wrong, basically. 
<laughs> like if you look at the camera more as a friend that's trying to help you and less as a thing that you should have absolute control over, you will have a better experience with Shadow of the Colossus. Um, so with all of that said, um, it was it was a heck of a ride. And I, I, I bottomed out, I believe, on the Centipede Colossus, where I just felt really stuck uh, because I couldn't figure out how to, um, you know, back on the PS2, how to... Um, get it to fall off of the wall and then get down to it on the floor of the Coliseum fast enough to be able to do the fight. Um, and, and so it went, so I, I went dark on this game for quite a while um, until I picked it back up this year through, uh, you know, a process previously mentioned on the pod. Um, and uh, for, for all of that, it, it was just an amazing game to play. And I think that, um, you know, the lot last Colossus fight, is extremely hard it's it, it's quite grueling and it has one of the few moments that comes back late in the game where i'm like oh man fuck this camera because <laughs> you have a moment where there's a jump you basically need to make without being able to see what you're doing most yeah. of the time um the you know the colossus has brought his hand up and it's like the last major jump you need to make in order to be able to get where you're headed um and like it's almost impossible to have the camera in a position where you can see yourself and know what you're going to like actually see yourself mm -hmm. to do what you need to do. So definitely on my first take on that Colossus, super frustrating fight um, enough so that I was like an hour and a half later, I just need to put this down and walk away. <laughs> but coming back to it, um, it was just like, okay, have some fortitude, just keep pushing and certainly working through all the prior parts to get back to that, that final confrontation. It went much more smoothly as you'd expect. So um because I'll tell you, the, probably the most infuriating moment on my first encounter with it um, is a huge part of that fight compared to the others is traversing the terrain to get up onto the classes. That's, that's the majority of my memory of that last boss is the fucking trenches that you're in or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And there's this one where you're like, come through your second trench and there's and the rain is falling and you come out around this corner and he blasts you off of this fucking ledge. And like, you need to, you need to like trigger his shot at you very carefully and then be able to get back to cover. Cause if you have like so much as a pixel of your foot out visibly, that is enough for the blaster. He has to knock you off of this damp ledge into your doom and to have to reset. So um, it, it's one of those moments that's like functionally humor, humorous after the fact when you're thinking about it, but like, oh yeah, you kind of want to throw a controller when it happens. You're like, really? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to peek around the corner to trigger him. Nope, nope, nope. Back to the beginning of that. So, um, but ultimately a really, really, even that fight, really compelling. Um, and as with every Colossus in the game, just beautiful and sad. Mm -hmm. um, and a great job with the pacing narratively where they introduce, uh, you know, the like, war chief, whatever, the ruler, whoever he is coming in with the horses late in the game. They give you like this cutscene where you're like, oh shit, who are these guys coming? And they're like, oh, it's almost done. Um, which makes you think maybe you're actually doing something for them and they're actually manipulating you towards uh towards their ill intentions. Um, but no, when they show up, it turns out that the voice that's been speaking to you this whole time is a demon who's been broken into 16 different parts mm -hmm. to seal it away. Oh, I forgot that that little bit. Yeah. It's hmm. great writing. That's yeah. the thing. This game, one of the reasons it has to sit where it does for me is just mad respect for when this game came out. 
they were doing that next level narrative storytelling work in within the framework of a video game that you didn't necessarily expect to find there yeah um you know and with the ultimate resolution that um you you are corrupted and shadow ridden the demon comes and inhabits you um and uh then uh, is sucked back into to this well and sealed with the cursed sword um however you haven't entirely been lied to because the girl who you've been trying to save gets up at the end yeah and doesn't um, she hold you as well well first of all you think that you've you know sent Idro to to his to his doom and death right. which they force you to redo uh oh, I the, know. Save, the save point like forces mm. you to redo that which is quite frustrating um although at least once you figure out it's one of those moments it's actually one of the other infuriating moments with the camera because the camera starts pivoting but you need to keep the, the controller just straight but yeah. it really makes you feel like you need to change the direction in order to keep going straight um but no the horse is alive albeit yes. with an at least badly sprained leg and it comes back to the young woman and, and leads her to the well where she finds a baby okay right is what what you are um and uh man i mean what a cool fucking game what a great amazing experience um what absolutely fantastic music yes um and just incredible storytelling agreed um it's been so long since my playthrough you know i really haven't like replayed you know i'll check out the remaster when it comes out or you know i have done over the years just to kind of marvel at it and ride around a little bit yeah but um you know that game is a significant chunk you know it's challenging it's it's long um it's fairly long i mean it's not from soft long yeah but um but it's fairly long i think honestly it feels longer than it is because finding the colossi can sometimes be difficult yes um, although it almost never feels bad, you don't usually the the environment is so beautiful and serene. You don't in the in the cursed land that you don't tend to feel like oh god, I'm wasting my time. You know, like you're like okay, no, this this must be wrong. Um, incredible use of elevation, incidentally, as well. You've got a flat map, um, and so occasionally you wind up going somewhere and being like, oh wait, no, now there's a mountain between me and there. Yeah, very Elden Ring moment, which uh, I'll come back to that in a little bit, but. Um, but I think that once you know what you're doing with each Colossus fight, um, they go quite quickly, actually. But that's the catch. The game feels long because learning the Colossi, some of them are pretty easy to figure out, but a lot of them are not. A lot yeah. of them, it takes a lot of just try and fail. And um, in the process, oftentimes feeling like lost and confused and like you can't get the camera to point in the right direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um no you know there are too many games for me to play to plan on replaying it anytime soon but i have like a feeling like i would want to you know yeah yeah um man the the rabbit hole on that game by the way with the secrets it's it's actually legendary it's one of the most plumbed the depths of games and one of the most inscrutable secret having games with some legitimate payoffs so like uh, i noticed that there's like these lizards that you can kill yeah um and i was like i don't have time for this <laughs> but i bet if i tracked every one of them down something would happen 
you know, and that, that's yeah. undoubtedly not the only thing. Like there's praying at the altars, which is directly rewarding. It gives you a tiny, tiny bit more um, in your health bar. Mm-hmm. Not that that really tends to matter that much. The amount that you get off of them, they're more important to save points, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if actually tracking every one of those down also has like a little bit of payoff. But yeah, um, I kind of was aware of that, that I was barely scratching the surface. And plus, when you finish it, it unlocks a new mode. In addition mm-hmm. to a new game, plus it unlocks another mode. I can't remember what it's called, like Mirror World or something. Yeah, and then there's like time attacks, which can grant you extra items. There's all kinds of items that the game does not give you in like a normal playthrough, like parachutes really? and different really? swords. Yeah. Oh, no shit. All kinds of stuff. Whistle wow. arrows. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll come back to it someday. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Honestly, that's the kind of thing where like, Having beaten it on a normal playthrough, if I were to come back to it to dig around for stuff, I would probably have no, you know, problem whatsoever using a guide just to kind of see it, experience it, not need to un- unlock it for myself. And I, there's a, a YouTube video I'll, I'll see if I can send you. That's like a great encapsulation of all the secrets and secret hunting over the years and stuff. Yeah, definitely do. I would love to check it out. And that bridge, man, when the bridge is collapsing... And I think oh, that's the my very favorite. End. It's my favorite video game bridge, and to see it, yeah, domino away when the warriors are are leaving in yeah. LA and they barely make it across the bridge as it seals off the the right. um the cursed lands. Which yeah. I the one other thing that I'm going to say about this game is, um, I immediately was like, okay, this is obviously a a, a prequel to Ico because I was like the little, the baby has horns. Right. The warrior's horns later in the game are less obvious, but I, you know, I'd noticed them, but I hadn't really made the connection until, you know, the young woman goes and picks up the baby. And I'm like, God, maybe I'm going to have to retro game Ico at some point because now it's there. Now it's kind of beckoning to me. Just, you know, just stay away from last guardian. That's all. Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately what <laughs> it uh, is. What unfortunate. I, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. So. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah, man. A worthy addition to the list, if I do say so myself. Uh, well, speaking of worthy additions, got my number seventy coming up here, and we're sticking with the theme of sevens because it is Resident Evil Seven. Okay. This might be. I haven't gone back through. This might be the first like truly. Well, it's more survival horror than than horror, but uh, you know, uh, of, of of that ilk on my on my lists. Um, and it's just so good the the environment design, the way that this old house creaks all around you, even if you're not like moving around. You're like, what was that? Yeah. Um, getting chased by this supposed uh, but ultimately sympathetic uh, redneck dude with a, a chainsaw bursting through walls at you <laughs> you have a chainsaw duel um and you know the game originally i i got the demo when it first came out and i'm like this is just too scary this is first person it's really dark and they have just nailed the atmosphere and i am not brave enough to play this and then eventually i don't even remember what it was that got me to to really play it but um you know i I got hooked and it's a great spectating game like joanna was was watching me play and then i got to the chainsaw duel with jack who is kind of the primary antagonist and oh my god man i 
have not been that frustrated in a long time or since uh, to where I twice deleted the game in a rage. Didn't like for no reason other than fuck you game, like rage quit, delete, gone. But it's gnawing at me because it's so good. But this boss fight is such bullshit. And then wait, so did you delete a save file such that you had to go all the way back? No, it no, no, just the yeah. Okay, right. Keeps the saves. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but you were like, screw this. This is coming off of the hard drive. I don't want it here right now. I don't want it to be taunting me on the yeah on the start screen. Yeah. But all you actually have to do is just hold block the entire time and you will just deflect <laughs> his chainsaw attacks. And I didn't know that and then got through it and continued. And it was, you know, it, it really it definitely hits a high in the beginning. Um, the the latter third of the game isn't quite as good, but yeah, um, there is a, there's a sequence uh, where you watch a videotape and. What that actually amounts to is you playing through this videotape that you are supposedly watching, and it's got all like the scan lines and stuff. And you are this other character who is videotaping his experience in essentially this escape room that is like sadistic and deadly, and he dies. And then later in the game, you yourself are then subjected to the exact same escape room, but now you know how to subvert the traps but then, oh, there's still a twist, so it still is dangerous. But, like, it is such a smart... It's one of the best sequences of, of the game, uh, both going through the VHS version of it and just getting utterly fucked up. And then again, and being like, wait, I know how this shit happens because I watched the video, which is optional. You don't have to find the video or watch it, but I don't know how you would, like, survive if you didn't. Right. Um, uh, By, so optional in name <laughs> technically I, I, optional i think you but could like f- you could flub your way through it if right if you had but, to but, but it would suck obviously would suck. the design of the game is that you should have found the video and you should right. have essentially the cheat guide to be able to get through this yeah um, that's cool though that's a yeah that's like really cool interesting design and i would probably be the player that would not have found and watched <laughs> the video and be like i don't understand why is this so fucking hard yeah. Well, you're like, Moses, you need to know it's not actually supposed to be that hard. You're doing this to yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the shooting is is great. Um, you know, upgrading your guns. Um, and there's a sequence where it's essentially like a ghost house and you're being haunted by this little girl and like what is going on. And the tension is building and building and building and you get to the last room and you find like her mummified corpse or something. Turn around to leave. You open the door. And boom, it is one of the actual corporeal monsters in the game standing there. You are expecting to encounter a ghost, but ghosts don't really exist in this world, but these mold monsters do. And it was one of the best, like, jump scares of recent memory. Nice. Um, And, you know, Resident Evil 8 was uh, not not as good. Um, You know, hard to to compete with with 7, but... uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a classic. Right on. That's just epic. Yeah. Um cool. Well, and it just brings to mind like, yeah, my sort of disappointment with RE8 and it had this whole story DLC that I'm not even bothering with because I guess it's a <laughs> lot of reused assets and like I've already done the castle and yeah, maybe if it's free or on sale, I'll I'll check it out, but I mean, it will be eventually. 
Yes. Um, but until Certainly. then, uh, I think we'll move into the next feature of the show. It's time for what I love about. Moses. Yeah, I'm going to be on theme this week um, with Shadow of the Colossus, but I'm not just going to talk about what I love about Shadow of the Colossus, and I kind of want to engage you on the topic, but I'll start by offering a couple of things. You know, we've talked on the pod before about um, how much there is to love about the conversation between game designers and players, Mm. that... um, in a sense, every game has a conversation built into it. It has some assumptions um, and that over the course of development and even over the course of kind of engagement with the player base, there's like um, an emergence of that conversation or it's got a a readability to it, right? And I think we especially talked about it with FromSoft games, probably shockingly enough. Um, But there's another conversation in video games that I absolutely love and that Shadow of the Colossus really surfaced for me. And that is actually how game design is a slow moving conversation between different developers. Mm. Uh, Sometimes, you know, a a developer kind of reflecting back and kind of having the conversation with themselves or their team or whatnot. Right. Um, But shadow of the Colossus um, obviously is itself in conversation. um, You know, Fumito Ueda, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure I got his name roughly right, but Ueda is in conversation, you know, with, with Miyamoto and, and Tezuka, um, at the very least, thinking of Legend of Zelda, right? There's no doubt that there is some interplay there and some response there to manifesting this open, uh, you know, fantasy realm in which a story can play out, in which there can be themes of of loss and triumph. Um, but obviously, the first thing that came to mind to me was Miyazaki. How Shadow of the Colossus is so clearly an influence. I, it, it probably stuck most because of Elden Ring, because of being on a horse in these uh, in these variously cursed lands, yeah. um, and and that sense of riding and exploring, and in a way that actually is not so common to Dark Souls um, as much uh, in terms of the openness of it and the way that you can be kind of exploring this space without a need for immediate engagement and action. Uh, but I did a little poking around, and there's no doubt. That um, you know Miyazaki absolutely that that Ueda is one of like his big inspirations you know mm-hmm. so it is a conversation that uh, the realization of this like low fantasy or dark high fantasy world that we find in Dark Souls um, or maybe even in Demon Souls but I can't speak to that firsthand um, it's definitely influenced by Shadow of, of the Colossus in this presentation of like this lush high fantasy environment um, with big dark magics and and like it being a doom-filled place. Um, the other like obvious example is, of course, platformers, um, how uh, Team Meat was you know, very clearly in conversation with and reacting to in response to, um, uh, to, to Miyamoto, to the, the bros, right? Um, and how like so many platformers have been responses to Super Mario Brothers in some way, shape, or form. Braid is obviously, a, you know, in conversation very directly with Super Mario Brothers and the theme of, traversing platform spaces, um, both mechanically and of rescuing princesses. Um, you know, Fez is probably in conversation in some weird occluded way that I don't understand. Uh, but you could even argue that uh, that the Sega team behind Sonic um, is one of the first steps in that conversation about what a platformer game experience might look like. Like Sonic isn't in, in a way a response to Mario um, mm-hmm. of saying like, well, what if, yeah, this kind of a space but different, you know, um, moving fast, less, uh, 
less keyed to um, kind of these fine jumping, pacing, plotting moments, right? Um, and a little more twitchy. Uh, so I don't know. I love this about games. I love how it's a conversation between designers. I was wondering if there are other examples or thoughts you had around it. Yeah. Um, you know, it brings, brings to mind, like, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, as, as we, these cascading. <laughs> <Colossi>. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cause then you literally are standing on the shoulder of a giant, um, but my throwaway wordplay, uh, uh, not, uh, notwithstanding, um, what what actually came to mind was riding. Well, that's where it breaks down with Elden Ring. Elden Ring is is a Souls outlier in many ways, but uh, for me anyway, turning off the music in Elden Ring, uh, very reminiscent of riding aggro through the Cursed Lands. Um, and then the music only springing up when you are fighting this amazing dramatic boss. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, something something shared there. And yeah, it, it's all just these layers of, of inspiration and maybe a one-upsmanship or, you know, oh man, what if, what if it was this idea, but what if I did it my way and it was better or, you know. Yeah. Um, or we have this technology now so I can do it differently and make it, uh, and make it better. And then having these established genres and genre tropes so that they can be subverted uh, is, is one of, one of the joys subverted or just even gentle homage, like thinking to braid, they do some sort of reference with going into like a castle at the end of the level. Right. Yeah. Just like in, in Mario, you know, um, a direct, a direct homage there. Um, but there is something about, yeah, about being on horseback in a 3D world um, that it it fits. It fits into so many different types of experiences, but that core element, you know. I mean, I, I suppose Epona is there before Agro. Yeah. Uh, just by, by virtue of, of N64 before PS2. So, um, so that is probably the kind of establishing horseback riding in a, in a fantasy setting. Yeah, and horseback archery, and then mm -hmm. I love like you can stand. I forget even what the purpose of standing on aggro is. Is that when you do archery, you have to stand? No, you can do or... archery. I, I think it makes some jumps easier. I almost never. There's one Colossus where I definitely needed it to make mm -hmm. the jump, um, but I don't. I think it could have been done without it. It just was. Yeah, it made, made it easier. The um, yeah the second flying Colossus, the one with the, with the gas balloons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's all big. It's all one big interconnected world and all these ideas couldn't exist without, without the other. And, you know, being able to really drill down and again, with sort of the tropes, like understanding a trope is a powerful thing because then again, you can subvert it. Like, that's what makes my favorite TV show my favorite, which is Three Busy Debras, because right. they're operating with these comedy tropes and then they go completely the other way. And it might be amusing if you didn't know what was behind it, but if you do, then it's like, oh my God, this is this is genius, you know. This is what makes it really rise up. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's that's dead on. And so obviously on some level, I'm just talking about genre and it doesn't matter what the medium is. Uh, but it really, it really surfaced for me finishing up Shadow of the Colossus and reflecting on on it as less framing it in terms of genre and more framing it in terms of the conversation, you know, that slow-moving conversation between creators. 
Yeah. Um, and just how cool that is, how cool it is to be able to reply to somebody, um, even if they're dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, video games are a young medium, so we don't have a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's another random one. A friend is playing uh, Marvel Midnight Suns recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, um, God, what's the uh, term for the style strategy game? Like, is it XCOM-like, maybe? Um, well, yeah, like turn-based tactics kind of yeah it's like it's I, I i'm blanking on the specific game people tend to reference with this because i haven't but played it's it. it is xcom yeah 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 um and so it is very much again like um hey we're dealing with this entire different set of characters um and with this pre-existing world but instead of doing the predictable thing with a marvel franchise we're going to engage this other part of the conversation in terms of game design and gameplay mm-hmm. um so yeah, it's def- just definitely something to love about video games. Yeah. Well, for me, what I love about games uh, and I guess hobbies in general, but really, well, I don't know. For me, it's video games because of course it is, but uh, is uh, sharing them with kids uh, or being a kid and wanting to share it with like the adults in your life. Yeah. Um, which is something I remember, you know, like, man, th- just a burning desire to like show my parents these video games that I'm playing and loving. And, you know, uh, most often it would get some attention and that would be fine, sometimes not. But you just want them to understand like what makes it so special, you know. And um, that's something I've been enjoying with um, my girlfriend's kids who are uh, eight and 10, you know, I mean, any age is, is perfect for a video game, but I mean, come on, that's like total sweet spot uh, of gaming. Um, it's definitely a good spot. There are other good moments in uh, child development, but that that's definitely a sweet spot. Yeah. So getting to, you know, uh, I brought my PlayStation over a couple of times, you know, I mentioned we played Joust, um, but just some of the other uh, games, like the eight-year-old was... <laughs> maybe unfortunately uh uh the uh bit trip runner uh looked appealing to him and Uh-oh. so he wanted to play it and oh dear it's a hard game for anyone that game's super um, hard but someone who has probably not played an infinite runner let alone one of that is that demanding and you and know the bit trip beats uh, the bit trip series is all tough They're yeah intentionally like we're going to start with something kind of mildly hard for the mm-hmm. genre and then we're going to progress it into something like devilishly difficult yeah but he was like so enthralled by it and would make it three or four jumps in each time uh, and then and then die and but just kind of getting to to see that unfold um but where it really shines is with uh, the 10 year old uh, and she loves zelda and i love zelda and i know a shit ton about zelda and so does she. And so, you know, we get to talk about blue shoes and uh, Beatles shop. And, you know, um, she's playing um, uh, b- b- Phantom Hourglass okay. right now. And we'll probably make it further in that game than than I ever did. Um, did you not finish that one? I don't think I did because that stupid Temple of the Ocean King or whatever, oh, you yeah. have to repeat it over and over it just it just you keep having to go back to that one yeah 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 um 
but kind of what what ties this together and what what really takes the cake uh so me and laura were in her room just chatting on her bed and the 10 year old comes in and is kind of like a little antsy and like playing the 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 2ds you know and then eventually she's just like i'm just gonna squeeze in here and like hops on the bed between us and then proceeds to give us like a, a 20 to 30 minute you know deep dive into where she is in this game and uh it was just it was great like i loved the the boldness of it like yeah you know and of course it's her house i'm a i'm a guest it's her mom right. you know like yes you know um but so i you know just sat there and i watched as attentively as i could uh and asked questions and because i remember what it's like to want to share that stuff with the adults in your life and i want to make sure that i can validate that as as much as possible you know um and and again it's zelda like i love that shit so it's fantastic having that as a conversation piece and as a as sort of an in uh into this young person's life you know has been uh has been wonderful so that's, that's just epic yeah uh, all righty well let's push ahead into the next feature of the show then it's time for tell me about and moses this week i would like you to tell me about which game on your list uh, that I haven't played, would you, uh, if you could, you know, let's say force me in a, in a benign way to play to, to completion, uh, what game would that be? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is like dead easy, but I am going down my ranked games just to be on the safe side to make sure I'm not missing something that, um, that you haven't played or finished that I really think, uh, you should, but I've literally talked about this before. And so, um, and you will get to this game. And I think the best time for you to get to it, it will be at some point when it's cheap or free. But Paul, you really need to play Canterbury of Spirit. Uh, I can't yes. emphasize to you enough how much you need to play this game. Partially oh, wow. because, again, this game broke the shit out of my rankings. Yeah. It's a new game that after sitting with it for two weeks, I pumped it up to number six. Yeah. Like it surpassed Spelunky, Apex Legends, Tricky, and World of Warcraft. I might not have ranked Apex yet, so it would have been TF2. Um, it jumped past so many other games that I love. Yeah. Um, and part of that is the Souls-esque Dark Fights. Uh, dark Fights. <laughs> Souls-esque. <laughs> boss Souls. Um, Elden boss. No, um, yeah, where are we going with this? But the boss fights that are are definitely kind of FromSoft-esque in terms of um, staging and difficulty, which is like not, a, there's nothing to be given away by, by saying that. Because to me, when we talk about, um, about those boss fights and what we do love about them is the way that they push you frustration-wise, um, but how they synthesized boss fighting as a concept from prior video games. Um, and what it means for a boss fight to have stages and what it means to confront you with something that is um, just seems difficult or impossible at first, but through repeated attempts and failure that you start to figure out, oh, okay, no, wait, I see what's going on here. You yeah. know, um, you're going to love the music. The music is absolutely fantastic. Um, the animation is just exquisite. The story I think is great. And the voice acting is par excellence. And uh, 
you know, and it has something that Dark Souls doesn't have, which is that when it forces you to platform, um, it's 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 good at it. You know, 3D platforming is always going to be uh, this a, a challenging thing, I think, unless your game is entirely devoted to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like when a game's engine is entirely keyed to making 3D platforming the thing. Yeah. But otherwise, if you're having to make it a game where you move around for fighting in addition to platforming, there's always going to be some inherent challenge. Um, granted, I haven't played Breath of the Wild or like, you know, any of the, the super recent Zeldas, which probably are going to be as good as it gets um, genre-wise at like addressing that. But I think Kana does a, a really good job and obviously learned a ton from, from Zelda as well, um, including the fact that it has like this very delightful and bright color palette um, that I, I think many people would look at and, and uh, you know, if they had played these games that I haven't, would think of it as being like contemporary Zelda game-esque as far as like where it's drawing its colors from too. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are a handful of other games on my list that I really think that you should give a go at that you haven't touched. Um, there, there are some retro moments on my list that I think would be intriguing and cool. Like the original Prince of Persia, I think to throw, maybe not to completion even, but to throw an hour at it would be kind of just a cool experience because you've, you've got enough, uh, enough experience to appreciate where it sits historically and be like, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is a cool, cool that this happened and when it did, and you can see kind of how it set the, uh, the table for a lot of other platforming activity later on. And I'm sure there's some others I could come up with, but man, definitely Kana. Yeah. When I was putting this question together, I, yeah, I blanked on that game because that. Otherwise you probably is... wouldn't have asked it, but I don't care. You gave me an excuse to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll get to play it on the shiny, uh, the PS5 version, which, you know, might even yeah. look a little prettier. Yeah, it may indeed. It may indeed. Um, the cutscene rendering is already so freaking gorgeous, but uh, it might even be just a little bit crisper in general. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Well, Paul, I was going to ask you to tell me about your top three favorite colossi, but we're going to put a pin in that one. So just know that I might ask you about that at some point if I'm like struggling to come up with what to ask you about some week. Uh, maybe when I do, I'll, I'll, I'll tip you off in advance so you can review all 16 of them and consider your rankings. But instead, you gave me a real obvious handoff to ask you a question that you've asked me before and that I've had under my reserve tell me abouts for a future occasion. Like, how could I not do this after you're what I love about? Paul, if you could choose three games to share with a child at the ages of five, eight, and 12. And yeah, obviously, you should feel free to draw on your recent experience as warranted. But I think that particularly for thinking about five-year-olds, uh, that's uh, something that's not directly informed. And uh, I'd love to hear your answer. Yeah, a five-year-old. Kids kids read at, at five, right? Yeah, right? It depends. Okay. Um, it There's a huge level of variation of how much literacy kids have at five. Mm -hmm. They're not like reading books. Um, book books, but like children's books, um, definitely, uh, you know, your slightly more precocious kids at like five or six are starting to get, get some reading skills. Um, but bear in mind, you're sharing a game with a kid. So if it has some reading and you'd have to read it too, then that's not necessarily a problem if the gameplay, you know, it says this is an experience to have together, uh, especially I think when you're talking about sharing a game with a five-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't, I'm telling the five-year-old what to play and they're going to go play it. This is this is us having a shared. I think at each experience. age, you can consider how you would want to share the experience, because obviously how you might share a gaming experience with a 12 year old is almost inherently going to be different from how you might with a five year old. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a that is a good question. My 
Hmm. My initial thought is, is Animal Crossing New Leaf for the five-year-old. Assuming that they have at least some reading ability. Um, and as, you know, as a, as a bonus, like if they're compelled to play this game, they're going to want to read more. And it could even, like, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, youngest brother, Mark. Yeah. And how he read tons playing video games, you know? Absolutely. Um, like a lot of his literacy skills were probably like massively boosted by gaming. Yeah. I'm just, that almost that, might, that, that might be too, too much though, too much reading for a five-year-old to, to be able to solo. Um, yeah. I might, I might push that one to the, you said five, eight and 10. Five, eight and 12 are the numbers that 12. you gave okay. me. So that's why I'm bringing them back to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, let's slot animal crossing in with the eight-year-old because i think it's a really solid pick for eight years old yeah because there's there's... an eight-year-old will definitely have enough literacy a year average eight-year-old to be able to read animal crossing text yeah and like a five-year-old's gonna like running around and shaking trees but are they gonna are they gonna care that much about decorating their house like maybe but but the eight-year-old is definitely gonna get more out of that um i feel like there's something right under my my nose that yeah five years old okay because there is so much that a five-year-old is gonna is gonna dig but like what what really slots in to their level of comprehension and like and kind of game comprehension and motor skills are like are also things like five-year-olds do have uh, you know the average five-year-old has some pretty decent fine motor skills but not you know not, not quite. They're gonna. They're gonna. Most five year olds will will would have trouble with. Uh, let's just say a certain level of um, of fine motor stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say journey. Okay. It, yeah, I think that seems doable. It might. It might be beyond them in some ways, but all you're. Really I mean, I think doing... the conceptual, the big conceptual parts would definitely be beyond your average five year old, but that's not the point. But I mean you're just moving from place to place. Some of the puzzles can, can get tricky, but especially those first few levels. Yeah. There's not a ton of obstacles in your way. Um, well, and the thing about gaming with younger children is that they'll ask you when they need you to step in. Yeah. If you're really good at doing this particular activity, you let them go. You never try and be like, oh, here, let me show you the thing. Right. But when they get stuck, as long as you got a good trust relationship with, with a young child, they'll like, look at you and be like, um, can, can you do this part for me? Yeah. And then you just offer the controller back to them as frequently as possible until they're ready to take it again. And that's what makes Journey really sing here is that why uh, why do I have to do that when it could be some stranger, some anonymous stranger who shows up in their game? Yeah. Which I have to, well, in my heart of hearts, I hope still happens. Uh, I think it probably still does. It, the it game must, has a very right? devoted, uh, yeah. has a devoted base. So yeah, for those who don't know, this game uh, will slot an anonymous person in the same region as you into your game and the the beauty of it is you cannot directly communicate you can do your little chime at each other you can jump you can hope that they might follow you or you just follow them but uh yeah i i think it would be really fascinating to watch that unfold and it's just it's a pretty game and it's fun to just Very move nice. around sliding down the dunes um and it doesn't have to be any more complicated than than that, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Journey for for the fiver. Um, for the twelve year old, 
Um, it might be a, a little late for my first RPG, but just in case it isn't, um, it's going to be Super Mario RPG. Okay. Because they definitely know who Mario is. Oh, yeah. But they probably haven't sought out a Super Nintendo and an old cartridge. But uh, the game is so charming. It's a bright, beautiful, colorful, fun world. It's got great writing, little jokes, little wordplay, puns, little Easter eggs. Um, and it shows you the basics of, of JRPG combat and is just a solid game. I mean, I am craving a replay of it, uh, you know, uh, as we speak. Um, but I think it's got the right balance of difficulty and familiarity and it's Mario, you know, how he works. He runs around and he jumps, you know, like, and they build those verbs into the RPG in some really clever ways. So I think that would be a great bridge to, uh, potentially to a new genre. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I could see that for a 12 year old, uh, you know, some 12 year olds will have fully gone deep on on the rpg experience already but for a 12 year old who hadn't yeah uh, i could see how that could be a, a really cool bridge and also um you know obviously mileage will vary but being able to share a classic um you know w- with a child who's got enough interest in and trust uh to be able to go down into something like hey yeah no this doesn't look like brand new games right um mm-hmm. but like just trust me and let's you know like you could maybe do a pass play or you could just set them up and be like, Hey, you know, let me know what you think. Be like, you like Chris Pratt, right? Well, here, <laughs> Oh God, here he is. <laughs> oh no. What have we done? Yeah. What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, journey, what was your middle game was? Oh yeah. Um, resident evil village. No, um, <laughs> animal crossing, uh, new leaf. Mm-hmm. And um, and Super Mario RPG, right yeah. on. Yeah, well, food for thought. I'm sure that you'll continue to roll around this question of games uh, to share with young people. Yeah. Um, although I don't anticipate you'll be sharing anything with any five-year-olds anytime too soon, if uh, the occasion offers itself. Who knows? You'll have to let me know uh, if it does and, and how, how it turns out. 10 years from now. There you go. <laughs> just, just do the math. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but... What Neither I do, do know I. is uh, that uh, we're coming up on the next segment here, a segment for which I, and it's my favorite bumper music, so who knows how I forgot to not include the music for Paul and Moses with your baseball update. And here we are, Moses, less than a month to go. Not a huge update this week, but the field did drop. Yeah, the, the black, black hole, hole opened it up, and um, the field and like all of the positions and stuff dropped. Which, if I mean, I'm I know I'm not missing my mark. There's all kinds of positions that were not in, um, you know, beta baseball in the original, in the original baseball, right? I mean, there weren't really positions at all. There was of. pitching and hitting stats, right? But there were no fielding positions and no fielding stats, right? And it seems strongly implied, and I haven't read enough on uh, people who have actually experienced beta of, of our new baseball to know, but it seems like it's going to have a little bit more, um, you know, the simulation, the rebuilt simulation is going to have a little bit more complexity to it, a little bit more, um, 
I don't know, a little more baseball and baseball, uh, just in terms of what the actual bones and mechanics are of the game. A lot of which we probably won't see, you know, right. Um, in terms of the level of baseball that we experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the play-by-play bits that we get that, that pop up as you're watching, you know, the base chart and the score and such strikes and, and balls and whatnot. Um, there might be a little bit more on the play-by-play that we'll get to see as a result of yeah. uh, the results. Sim. Yeah. yeah. That's an exciting prospect. And then like, will we get to vote on what position any given player in our roster uh, occupies? You know, yeah. What mind? kind of, what will the voting play? How will the voting play out for teams? Yeah. That's totally a good question. Yeah. And especially with money, maybe not existing, you know, um, I, uh, I'm not sure, but I thought instead of uh, naming the players who landed on our teams that you and I could alternate and go through uh, the field uh, because some of them are not as obvious as others. Yeah, sure. Let me just uh, myself. I don't actually have baseball pulled up, but the good news is <laughs> since there is mostly a black hole in some lists, this isn't going to take long. <laughs> Except it's still weirdly, it's incredibly resource intensive uh, on desktop, which I still don't understand. My theory I mean, about it recording in real time, the signups, I don't think is actually what's happening. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if um, the desktop site is actually loading in a lot of stuff that's not actually accessible yet. Like yeah. we perceive it as just basically a static page that updates once a week with content. Mm-hmm. But what if behind that, it's actually loading in a bunch of baseball so that like the site itself is actually kind of secretly live. And if you know what the secret URL is to go to or whatever, <laughs> you can get in there as they continue to like stress test it and stuff. Wouldn't shock me if that was kind of uh, the reason because otherwise um, game band is done quite impressive stuff with development in the past, as far as, uh, you know, web app functionality yeah. goes. So it is weird. Um, that, uh, that this is the case. Yeah. All right. You want to start us off? We got space made, positions claimed, and orbit established. And then we had first base. Second base. Uh, I, oh. uh, third base. <laughs> and fourth base. Which I presumably is home base? Uh, I would imagine so. Because I don't think there's a home base. So then we've got shortstop. Didn't have a shortstop before. Center infielder. Um, flanker. Guards. I like how it's guards, plural. <laughs> right. Well, okay, so there's only one shortstop and there's only one flanker, but there are guards. Mm-hmm. And then we got a left fielder. Right fielder. A center fielder. High fielders. We got high fielders, so multiple right. high fielders, as well as midfielders. As well as liners. And rangers? Wall runners. <laughs> the midstop. The long stop. The backstop. Mid flanker, long shank, uh, long flanker, <laughs> back flanker, corner fielders, <laughs> outer fielders, and there it is, fifth base, and of course, oath base. Everyone loves, it. everybody loves the oath base. Yeah, <laughs> where you go, you cut your hand, you drop some blood. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fun stuff, man. You know, we're 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 close, and it's just little tantalizing stuff to kind of kind of speculate on yeah no it sure is it sure is um you know one other thing i'll just mention is that you got another former taco on the magic again this this last fall fall drop mm-hmm. and uh get, get much to uh my amusement you've got like three former tacos on your team well he is the antithesis to uh jalen hot dog fingers it is 
Jelly Burger Toes. That's right, Burger Toes. Uh, and I think we got, did we get top best this last drop? I think we might have gotten top best on the last drop. Let me sort by date, just to put a little finger in a finger finger in this one. I, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Fingers and toes and God. Oh, no, you got knows. Elaine Snart. Oh yeah, that's right. We got Snart. Yep. Get Snart. Get Snart, indeed. <laughs> Elaine Snart, who, uh, uh, yeah, previously was with the Mechanics. So yeah, you know. Uh, I have been enjoying the falls increasingly, and I think knowing that Blazeball actually has a, a legit start date that, like, hey, come yeah. January, we're going to be rolling has made it uh, a little easier to enjoy the extraordinarily slow play out of, like, these initial falls. So, yeah, good times. And, I mean, January 9th, uh, for sure, but you've got to imagine they're going to get the the app in people's hands at least the day before. I should hope so. Right? So, you know, maybe even closer than we think. Um, but for now we are closing in on the end of the show, but before we get there, it's time for game ranks. Make my game ranks. Make. (laughs) That means it's time for make my game. All right, Paul, what are we going to make this week? We are going to make a game from... The studio known as Winter Rain Studios. Interesting. It certainly can rain during the winter as it did today. Cold, cold winter rain. And their game, Ender Sight. Ender like... This is Endor like the forest moon, as a matter of fact. Endor Sight like vision or location? Uh, Location, and it is all one word. I, I like the way it sounds. It's it's tricky because Endor is almost exclusively like a proper noun. But um, now it's been combined into this whole novel word. I feel like if we yeah. pick this up, it's a weird challenge. It's a weird challenge if we decide to try and approach Endor site. It's almost like taking a nonsense word and coming up with what the game would be. Yeah, I guess that's my my main thing. Unless we make it about Endor, which which we wouldn't. Yeah, and at that point, now I'm thinking it's pronounced Endorcite. Endorcite, yeah. <laughs> I think we need a different name. Okay. I hate to say it, because like it could be interesting, but yeah. All right. Uh, and just for the record, I'm not against the idea of picking up a franchise thing and making doing a Make My Game on it. If it had been Endor Space Site, I would be like, well, let's yeah. consider, do we want to do Star Wars today? Yeah. Uh, well, instead, we have Cold Legend. <laughs> Cold Legend. Coming from Winter Rain Studios. Yeah. Cold Legend. That just seems like a perfect fit. It's one of those, like, you put the dev team together for a small indie studio. You didn't really have a name for your studio yet before you started your project. Maybe your project came out of a game jam and you decided to carry it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were like, oh, man, what are we going to call our studio for Cold Legend? Oh, let's call it Winter Rain. Like, it's just it's just too close. It's just yeah. too close together, you know? Um I'm down with Cold Legend. I think we could take it in many directions. Yeah, I'm down. Um, the first thought that jumps out at me is what if uh, Cold Legend, uh, what if we what if we uh, liken it to a cold case in in uh, crime solving? Sure. Um, 
I need to get on Helican here. We're about to traverse into one of her favorite territories. Ah, yes. Cold Kiss uh, yeah. But what if you are the cold legend and you are learning about yourself and thus shaping who you will go on to be throughout the game uh, as you do. So just to, before we get into mechanics, just to kind of put a, put the wrap on this. So all of the murder victims and they are all murder victims, right? Cause they're all like cold cases. They're all unsolved. Mm -hmm. Um, are legendary people. They're all like, they led epic lives in their previous life. Um, but they that's... have unfulfilled, like in terms of finding a next life, they have something unfulfilled. They have yeah. something that they, that, that did not, that they were not able to do. Um, but the process of dying, it's not like it completely wiped everything, mm-hmm. but it left them with like a heavily Swiss cheese, reality in terms of like what they can remember of themselves and they need to put enough of the pieces together to figure out where they want to go next and what they want to be in their in their next incarnation okay um maybe they don't have to be legendary i don't know they just figured one way to play it why why are they legend yeah that's not what i was attempting to explain but that might be better than what i was attempting to explain (laughs) or at least we can do both Um, yeah well maybe we can we can weave these together as we often do so, because I was thinking like sort of a Disco Elysium-esque, because in that game, you can be any number of different types of people depending on the choices. And the choices that you make uh, are simply because you've been that way all along, but like you didn't know oh, right. it until... Until you made the choice. Right. Because um, you're you're an amnesiac. And so as you make your choices, it fills in your past and this is who you've been. Right. Um but hmm so you were thinking that you are you, you're the detective yeah cold legend. okay yeah no i'm i'm good with that as well actually i i i feel like your idea has a little more a little more life in it maybe um, i think there's a way to kind of bring them together yeah. and even though the trope is kind of there um from uh i was gonna say ace ventura but i meant phoenix right oh phoenix right well. ace ventura wait no <laughs> it's not right at all um oh, but the, objection then but the idea oh, God, damn it. um but the idea that that was pretty good by the way Thank that you. um <laughs> that we have like a uh a spirit channeling component to the cold cases yeah um and but you're still what you're developing by way of your information from the spirits who you're able who can't provide you with hard evidence you can't bring a spirit into fucking court right Mm -hmm. um but a big part of and and this is where it's gonna um you know diverge pretty dramatically from disco elysium too um you're nonetheless trying to put yourself together and you need the dead whose cases have gone unsolved for a long time mm-hmm. um, to help you to do so. So it's a little bit of a best of both worlds of the two concepts. What if you are also dead? Okay. Granted, we're doing a make my game and usually we don't get into something like this early, but that 
would be absolutely like a mid game, like end of second yeah. act reveal. You yeah, don't yeah. even realize that you're actually dead until you get to a certain point. And then that helps you like, now you know why you don't have all of these recollections. Yeah. Just like the spirits who have been helping you so far previously in the game, you start to go like, oh shit, this is why. Yeah. And you can sort of embrace your, your deadness because up until this point, you thought you were alive. Therefore you couldn't say move through a wall, but now you know you're dead and then you can. You can. And here's the thing is that like, you've been going to your detective station um which the building has seemed really weird hmm. right um like it's very it doesn't seem like it fits the rest of the environment uh and that's because you haven't realized that it's part of the like the dead space it's actually part of of the of the world of the dead uh which is why it doesn't fit into the rest of the environments you're exploring which are our world of the living where you're trying to solve these cold cases yeah so you're not ultimately solving the cold cases for resolution for these people in real life for for the you know to bring their um their murderers to justice um <clears throat> you know you're solving them to to aid the spirits in moving on and 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 perhaps they're aiding you as well yeah because you need to you know we'll find out over the course of play how it is that you died mm -hmm. right um and you obviously you also ultimately have to be not just dead but a cold case maybe you don't even find that out when you first find out that you're dead only later on you realize that like your case has gone unsolved for 50 years or something yeah and which could also juxtapose like your clothing style and stuff could be like a little bit weird and it would be another one of those early game clues like something's a little strange here a little chuggy with the fit yeah exactly yeah wait a second here that's two weeks in a row we're in trouble paul <laughs> we are in deep chuggy now so mechanically speaking um let's try just put a, a few bones on this game because i think we've got a pretty good high concept going mm -hmm. um what are we thinking in terms of like how do you how do you traverse the environment? How do you engage in the world? Um, are there more than one mode of engaging in the world? I can see it as a point and click adventure and, uh, style. And then you eventually come across some sort of object that has like a strong resonance with the deceased individual and they can then show up and give you further guidance or further clues or rotate the space by a third and then you see behind the objects or oh i like it so like it is kind of old school 2d it, its base presentation is a 2d point and click for how you move around the space so again hearkening to the, the that revival as far as disco elysium of doing a revival of the 2d point and click mm -hmm. um but then adding this extra layer mechanically that when you are are able to convene with the with the deceased um that you can actually get this totally alternate perspective on the space that makes me think a little bit about detroit become human mm -hmm. a game that i only ever played the demo for maybe you should go back and play at some point who knows it's it's a it's a goofy spectacle in many yeah at yeah i want i want to say at best but that implies that there's a like a worst but no it's it's just it's a goofy spectacle of a game and it is 
it's worth seeing through. <laughs> like, yeah, they I tried things know. mechanically, which is why one of the uh, you know one of the things here that to invoke in this context is like that mechanic of like, oh, you're engaging this other capability that's not just a normal human capability. You now get a completely different view of the space that you're in. Yeah, and I I, I kind of want to know how your playthrough would end up because the main character, you know, there's a few different characters you play as, but the main dude suffered a defeat top to bottom, like spiritually, <laughs> physically, psychologically. I I could not have lost harder. <laughs> oh, you don't mean it's set up for the game. You mean your outcome. Uh, Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. And I made some mistakes along the way and I made some fuck you moments. I'm just going to, you're a, you're a fucking racist against robots. So fuck you kind of thing when there, maybe there's more nuance there. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that game really can end up in some, <laughs> oof, some, some I may well spectacular that. ways. But yeah. yeah, coming back to Cole Legend, I like this idea that like you literally have a space shift where like you can see you're, you're so used to seeing that in two dimensions, basically, mm -hmm. or, you know, isometric pseudo, pseudo three dimensions. But that in these moments for specific environments, you can shift it. it like the ISO thing could still play, but the levels are actually built as fully 3D modeled. Yeah. So that when you have this engaged, you you literally shift the angle you have on the isometric environment. Uh, or maybe you can shift it to a couple of different positions. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting if up until the halfway point, when you realize for certain that you are also dead, you can solve the cases you well have to enough. Be able to, for sure. Yeah. Right. Um but either there's more to it than you knew, or there could be some red herrings, you know, but I like being able to like revisit and sort of get the full scope once you are out. a specter. What if you've got a few different files that you're working on at a time? And, and this comes back to a, uh, like at your desk mechanic in the game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you start off obviously at the trainer level, you start off with a single case file that you're working. Um, and it'll introduce to you the concept that you actually have the ability to wind up talking to a ghost in the first place, basically, right? Because mm -hmm. um, you don't necessarily know that, um, unless, of course, you've read descriptions of the game, but if you went into it blind, you wouldn't know that until you get to that first reveal moment, a few minutes, whatever, 15 minutes into the game where you've gotten to a place where, the, where you can contact a, a, a ghost. Um, but your capabilities aren't unlocked yet, right? Um, yeah. And so with your case files, in terms of that part of the UI, um, you can put them back, right? You can, you can have them solved, you can have them solved incorrectly so that they're filed under solved, but they're not. And you yeah. might have to spend some kind of, uh, of currency uh, using that in the loosest sense to reopen one. If you in fact had declared one solved and it was, and, and then you later get something letting you know that it's wrong, but you can also just put it unsolved and just, it continues to be a cold case and you just have to put it back and you've added more information to it that you'll be able to refer to. And I'm loving this idea of actually having a UI element that is like, zoom in on the desk, open a case file and be able to take out these different parts and bits of evidence and records and then being, being able to add stuff to it so that if, say, you're picking up a case, like your second case winds up being one that you're not supposed to solve until 20 cases in, you know, um, you don't have to have held all of that in your head. You've been able to, the game allows you to like put these notes, you know, basically pre-constructed, of course, but like these are the bits you got. You don't have to remember what the bits were that you got. You can go back and kind of read through it and refresh yourself. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to have a mechanic where you're a dog. No, <laughs> where the one thing you didn't realize the entire time. 
your ability to physically manipulate objects depends on how much or little you know about your true fate as a ghost. Oh, I like but, it too. And so that's another part that allows you to go back and revisit. You might, you know, revisit a case or reopen a case yeah. um, because you have, you know, you have abilities that you've gained as you start to understand your own fate. Yeah. Um, it starts to fill in things about your background as a detective mm -hmm. that gives you capacities that aren't necessarily like mystical. Some mm -hmm. of them, sure. Right. But some of them are just being able to remember that you were really good at something. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I'm an amazing forensic analyst for fingerprints. Right. And that when you've unlocked this bit in terms of like, because maybe these are cases that you had worked on in life. Yeah. Um, and so as you get to parts of them, you get to, to evidentiary pieces um, and actions that you took that help you remember more about your own detective skills. And so it gives you, hmm. it gives you capabilities back to then go and apply them to, to previous cases. Yeah. All right. Well, well, as you often say, I, we like, we've done it again. By Jove. Um, from winter rain studios this week, it's cold legend. And uh, what's colder than a legend? Well, a goodbye. Sometimes. I mean, hopefully not, but sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, yeah. Cold goodbyes are, are warm. Like hopefully. The, par the parting is cold, but the goodbye itself sh uh, should be warm. It should be warm. Most of them are. We'll make this one warm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll start warming it up by asking you, Moses, if you have any final thoughts for this evening. Yeah, actually, there are a couple of things I meant to share at the top of the pod um, that are non-games related. And Helica and I had a great media night the other night in which we wrapped up watching season one of 1899, mm -hmm. um, which I cannot recommend enough. And uh, if you watch Dark and you liked Dark, it's from the same people. It mm -hmm. has what are some apparent similarities, at least at first, um, but uh, it rapidly moves into being a very different kind of supernatural mystery mm -hmm. and um and it has resonances with the past within and i won't say anything more than that mm. because it would be spoilery to say anything more than that but after wrapping that season we felt excited to watch something else that was good but maybe uh, a little less dark although oddly this has been reviewed by critics as being very dark but guillermo del toro's uh pinocchio ah absolutely fantastic really? and i'm saying this having nothing to do with video games but oh man it blew me away and when i went and checked rotten tomatoes the next day it was over 90 percent. whereas the disney live action pinocchio sits at like 30 something percent um so the critics seem to have agreed with me it's it's beautiful and different and yet in many ways it cleaves very closely to the story that we all know and love mm. So final thoughts on non-games related media for this week. And uh, Pinocchio is Netflix or? It's on Netflix, yeah. Netflix. So I have made a huge error all along. I thought that the Del Toro Pinocchio was the live action Disney Pinocchio. And I was like, wait, why is this getting a bunch of like coverage again? Yeah. It's a different thing. That's totally why. different. It's not live action. It's stop motion. And it's like. Just do yourself the favor of uh, before you even watch it, you'll you can see a, an image of what it you know it's not a not a mind breaking spoiler. Obviously, he's not there at the very beginning of the movie, but look at how uh, how they rendered Pinocchio, and you'll yeah. be like, oh, this is going to be a little weird. Interesting. 
Well, while we're talking uh, movie recommendations, uh, just last night I watched The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. Okay, I haven't seen that Wes Anderson. And and I do like Wes Anderson. Um, it is not as like bombastic as Life Aquatic or as touching as Moonrise Kingdom. If anything, it is just a straight up like Wes Anderson ass Wes Anderson movie. Okay. But what that means is that each and every scene is this intricately choreographed diorama that you scarcely have enough time to comprehend before it moves on to the next thing. Yeah. And you've got Willem Dafoe, you've got Bill Murray, you've got Edward Norton, you've got everybody except uh, Jeff Goldblum, which is unfortunate, but but hey, can't have everything. Uh, But yeah, highly... I've been trying to watch, well, as of last night, I've been trying to watch more movies. Um, Because video games, I I don't often like marathon sesh as much as I used to. Like I'll play Yakuza and be enjoying it. And then just kind of almost for no reason, I kind of will feel like stopping. So I feel like, I feel like I've got more bandwidth for different media now. And I want to, I want to, I want to try watching more movies. There you go. All right, folks, for this week, watch more movies. Absolutely. And until then, what I will say is thanks to everyone out there for listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, you can email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never never stop stop playing. playing!